One of the things I love about Calvary, there's a lot going on all the time, and uh, everybody ought to be having the opportunity to be experiencing the touch of God on a regular basis. You see what I wrote for you on the front of our worship folder? Over the next 70 days, our homes, our offices, our classrooms, even our front yards are going to be decorated, inviting all of us, kids and adults, into the festivities. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year. So what will happen in these 70 days in each of our lives? What difference might we make in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces, and even the fun places if we walked these days as God changed and God sent people? What might Jesus want to accomplish if he walked among us these days? I wonder if your neighborhood is experiencing this annual transformation that happens this time of year. As I've watched front yards turn from beautiful green grass to cemeteries with tombstones and beautiful trees turned into lynching places with bodies hanging from trees, uh, this time of year really grabs a hold of me. And I want to go from house to house in those places and ask the folks who live there, so what's the message you're trying to tell us? And what effect do you think this is having on the little children who walk by your home? I had the opportunity at Tess and Kelly's invitation to share with the senior high young people down at the Midpoint at Conference Point Camp this past Wednesday. And feeling a little out of touch, I went and spent a little time with Tess and Kelly. So what are the kinds of things that teenagers are watching these days, whether it's movies or television? They said to me, well, what do you think the number one television program has been over the last couple of years, especially for teens? I said, Dawn and I haven't watched a primetime show, and I don't have any idea how long. So I'll ask you, what do you think the number one teenage program has been on television over the last couple of years? Anybody? Say it again. Walking Dead. I said, well, I obviously live under my bed. I've never heard of Walking Dead. And they said, well, let's watch a clip. And I made it about halfway through uh, the two-and-a-half-minute clip. It's about zombies and more uh, horrific bloodshed in two and a half minutes than I could imagine. So I started thinking, now, these aren't teenagers producing this. These are intelligent adults who are writing the scripts and intelligent adults who are stepping forward as the actors and the actresses and intelligent business owners who are saying, yes, I'd like some of my marketing dollars to go to pay for this. Wow. And it is consuming the minds and the hearts of our teens. And this time of year, every year, new movies come out. Have you noticed what some of them are? Uh, Ouija boards and uh, demonic stuff. It, it, it's incredible because there's an insatiable appetite, especially in America, for this kind of stuff. So our theme verse has been going through my mind a lot this week. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And this week, it's evident all around us. May I suggest that this week, Jesus is saying, my people, pay attention. Because you're going to see it every day this week. Wherever you go, the evidence of the thief who has come to steal, kill, and destroy, starting with the hearts of children. It's an amazing strategy, really. Because if you can get the kids, it's kind of like fishing. You, you bait the hook with the most interesting-looking bait, and then, choom, 
You got them. Children, candy and giveaways and all kinds of things. And in the process of that, their little hearts being drawn to that spirit world out there that seems so enticing. So that by the time they get to their teenage years, they're addicted. They can't help themselves. By the time they get into their adult years, they're broken. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. But among us are adults who are choosing to try to ensnare other people's children into this darkness. So I've been hearing in my mind all this week what you see when you come into this building on those big posters that are out there that, uh, in the hallway. That a few weeks ago we took a look in John 15 and Jesus said to his disciples, I I'm the vine and you're the branches. Stay close to me, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. <laughs> then you'll bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing this is a week in America where Jesus would like you and me to be fruit bearing people as the darkness encroaches this week do you agree with that? so how does that happen? Uh, at the beginning of the fall we went back to the beginning in John chapter 1 and we spent several weeks tracing to see where was Jesus leading his friends to, so that he could make that statement and we've worked our way through the first four chapters of John. Did you know that there's a time gap between chapter 4 and chapter 5? It's a pretty substantial time gap. And in that time gap, Mark chapter 1 happens and some other things. So could I invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word, please, to Mark chapter 1 with me this morning. And there's some great notes that I think they're great notes that I put together for you that are in your worship folder there. And I hope you brought a pencil because God's given me some fresh stuff that I'd like for you to see. Could I invite you to read all together with me uh, when we're going to look at the scripture this morning rather than me reading it? Let's start with verse 14. We're going to read verse 14 through verse 18 of chapter 1 of Mark together. Whatever your translation is. You ready? Here we go. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. Now they had seen Jesus before. We saw that in the first few chapters of John. They had seen him do some miracles. They'd heard him do some great teaching. But now he was saying, come and follow me more permanently over these next weeks and months because I want to change you into a different person. I, I gave you a, a word, a little phrase several weeks ago that really stirred in my heart that God's calling you and me to live as God-sent people. Remember? We saw that in John the Baptist. GSP, God-sent people. So this morning, I want us to look at this story to see what was Jesus doing as he was explaining and modeling for these guys? Here's what it looks like to live your life as a God-sent person in an increasingly broken world. First, come. Come and follow me. That's a choice that each of us gets to make. Am I going to step forward and get close to Jesus and follow him? I see three things that have come to my mind as I've pondered this that will change in your life and mine. First, if I'm going to follow Jesus, that means I'm going to go with his priorities, not mine. 
and probably my priorities in life are different from Jesus' priorities. So he says to fishermen, leave your boats, because that's your priority, and come and follow me. And as you follow me, your priorities will change. Second, new worldview. If you follow Jesus, your worldview will change. You will start to see the world the way Jesus sees the world, right? And third, if you come close to Jesus and you follow him like they did, your relationship with God will change. And as that relationship changes, your relationship with other people will change. Come and follow me. What should change? Your priorities, your worldview, and your relationship with Jesus. And I will make you. You see the transition words? You see Jesus saying, I'm going to work in you. As you follow me, you open up your heart and your life to me, and you give me permission to do a work in you. I'll change you more and more into the person that I designed you to be. Three scriptures you might want to jot down that came to my mind as I was studying through this that talk about the changes. Do you remember that when Paul writes to the Romans, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind is going to change. Jesus is going to change how you think as you come close and follow him, right? Then do you remember that the psalmist, David, writes at a very low place in his life, Psalm 51, God created me a pure heart. I can't fix my heart. As you follow close to Jesus, Jesus will work on your heart. Do you agree? He'll tenderize it. <laughs> He'll soften it. He'll cleanse it as you open your heart to him. And then here's the third one. Do you remember when Paul is writing to his good friends in Philippi? He says, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will do what? Carry it on to completion. As you follow close to Jesus, he will keep doing the work. Isn't that awesome? He'll change how you think. He'll clean up and change your heart. And he'll keep doing the work. Come follow me. And I'll make you. I'll do a work in you. I'll transform you into fishers of men. Why? Because as we sang today, Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only answer. <laughs> and how does that happen? You remember that cluster of grapes? You see it there. The way that it happens is you and I live our lives in clusters. We live our lives in families. That's a cluster of people. We live our lives in a work environment. That's a cluster of people. We live our lives in a neighborhood. That's a cluster. We live our lives in social groups. That's a cluster. I will make you fishers of men. He's saying... May I paraphrase it? In the clusters in which you live, you will affect the people that you're clustered with in a wonderful way. You'll draw them to come to know me. As you follow me, you'll draw them. Come follow me, and I'll transform you into one who draws others to Jesus. And then it goes on. There in that first chapter, you ready to read some more with me? Let's start in verse 19, and this time we're going to read down through uh, verse 21. You ready? Here we go. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. Okay. First, Come follow me, and as you follow me and you're close to me, I'll change you. Second, prioritize worship. 
They went to Capernaum, not to do business, but when the Sabbath came, they went to Capernaum to worship. Have you noticed, my dear friends, that living as God sent people is an overflow out of what happens when you worship together? You see, what happens here on a Sunday morning should equip you, energize you, refresh you, and propel you out so you're ready to face Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. But it doesn't depend only on what happens here. Did you know that you and I can have private, wonderful worship with God anytime, anywhere? Isn't it a wonderful thing to gather your family around you and have family worship? But there's something very special when you gather with a couple of hundred other people and you worship like we have this morning. Do you agree with that? Do you know why that's so significant? The psalmist wrote, jot this down, Psalm 42, My soul thirsts for God. When you were yet a fetus in your mother's womb, God was placing inside of you an insatiable thirst, a spiritual thirst, so that very early on as a little baby you were already uh, crying out for things that would satisfy. When you were put in a nursery with other kids, you weren't satisfied with your toys. You were going over and grabbing other kids' toys. What is that? That's that thirst for more. <laughs> as you got a little older and you got credit cards, you started buying. It's that shouldn't take any of us much time to look to see how in our life journey have we sought to satisfy that deep thirst in us. I call it a soul thirst that only God can satisfy. Psalm 62 says, My soul finds rest in God alone. God has placed in every person a soul thirst that can only be met in worship of a holy, magnificent Creator God with whom you have a relationship. Amen? It's the way God made us. That's why Jesus said, the first thing I'm going to teach you, fellas, in teaching you how to be a God-sent person is we start in worship. And don't ever push that off. Make sure that's a priority in your life. Because if you push it off, it's like what we heard today about stepping out of the hula hoop. You start drifting away from God, right? Do you see what happens next? Let's look at verse 22 through, oh, let's go through 27. You ready? Let's go. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed, they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. Wow. God sent people. It starts by being a worshiping people. Because there is where God is going to quench that thirst and make sure that your life is aligned with him. But then, truth teaching. Jesus was modeling for, the, for these guys. You need to know God's truth. You need to let it permeate your life because you're going to live life out there in a dark, confused, distorted world where God's truth is not very well known. And God's truth is empowering truth. In the name of Jesus, you can stand against the darkness. Now, Jesus could have said that verbally all day long, and the guys would have gone, like you and I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But suddenly, 
conversation truth became a reality when a man stood up right in the synagogue. Do you find it interesting what that man said? I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. That speaks to Jesus' humanity. That was his name, and he was from Nazareth. And then he said, the Holy One of God. That speaks to his deity. The demon made a profound statement. You are fully man and fully God, unlike any other that has ever existed, and you're here with us. And you see what Jesus did? He shut him down and he expelled the man. Uh, pardon me, the demon out of the man. But you see that the demon didn't leave easily, did he? Shook the man violently, maybe threw him to the ground and left with a shriek. If God was to give you and me spiritual glasses this week, to be able to see our world with, with eyes of Jesus, what do you suppose you'd see? Sadness, pain. And you would see, I believe, millions of demons among us being invited here by an American population that is fascinated by this spirit of stuff and thinks it's just a game this week. You see, Jesus was saying to his followers, don't be deceived. You're living in a broken, dark, evil world, but I, I've come that you might have life. If you'll trust me to be your Savior, I will empower you and place my Holy Spirit within you. If you hold to my teachings, like Roy showed us last week, my truth will set you free. It's a bondage-breaking truth. Do you agree with that? So that anything that might have a hold on you, Jesus can break, right? It's a doubt-dispelling truth. Any confusion in your mind, God's truth can bring clarity, right? It's a brokenness-healing truth. And the more that you and I will allow his truth to fill us, immerse us in God's truth, we can walk out there in that broken world fearlessly. We don't need to be afraid of it because the Holy Spirit of God is living within us and his truth will set us free and can set other people free. Do you agree with that? It's powerful what he was teaching them. It went from just conversation to practical reality when that man stood up and Jesus went head to head with a demon. I want to show you a couple more. Let's read from verse 29 through verse 31. We're in Mark chapter 1, and if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under the, under the chair in front of you. You ready with 29? Here we go. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. What's happening there? Well, first, they're dealing with disappointment. I would guess these guys, just like all of us, were leaving church, going home, expecting <laughs> there's fried chicken and mashed potatoes on the table. And there was nothing. And uh, Peter's mother-in-law, who I presume was the one who would have made sure it was ready, was in bed with a fever. So they ordered pizza. They said, well... Do you see what happened? I can imagine that the guys, Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, his brother, John, looked at each other and said, now what? And I wonder if one of them said, now wait a minute. 
we just saw him do something unbelievable. If he can cast a demon out of somebody, don't you suppose he can take care of a fever? How about if one of us goes and asks him, would you mind uh, helping mom? I don't know which one went and asked him, but they brought him to her. And what happened? The love of God poured out compassionately for this dear woman. And Jesus raised her up and healed her. And she got up and made dinner and served them. What's the lesson? He's teaching the fellas, as you walk through your journey of life, you will be surrounded by people in pain, people in need. Needs bring people to Jesus. Be ready, as you are filled with the love of God, be ready to extend it to others. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Right? Remember that? <laughs> Though the mountains be shaken, Isaiah 54 says, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Over the last many weeks, the pastors in our area have been thinking about, is there some interesting way that we could extend the love of Jesus to the people of our community without necessarily drawing attention to any one church? Could we somehow do something, not, not we the pastors, we all of us, that brings the love of Jesus and, and then points those people back to a, a website where, where the churches of our area who proclaim the name of Jesus truthfully would be identified and would be in inviting people to come. And so in your worship folder, there was two pages of something called Refresh. That's the idea. And we have come up with a, a wonderful idea where there's going to be business-sized green cards, and you'll see them in, in baskets out at the Welcome Center. And these green cards on one side just have that simple word, thank you, Candy, Refresh. And on the other side, a website, a Refresh website that shows the map of Walworth County and identifies all the churches in our area who have agreed to a doctrinal statement of truth about Jesus Christ and simply invites people to come visit any one of the churches. There's going to be a series this whole year long of four different times in the year where we're going to take this approach. This first one is kindness. You see it there? Kindness in the fall. And there's a whole series of ideas there of ways that you and I can anonymously show the love of Jesus to people. Uh, bake, bake some muffins and put them in a basket and take it across the street and put it on uh, the neighbor's front porch. Uh, put a green little refresh card in it, ring the bell and run. You're going through the, the, the McDonald's drive-thru and uh, say to the, to the lady, I want to pay for the car behind me. And, and here, give them this card at when they come up and they're shocked that somebody's paid for their lunch. Uh, you go out to dinner and you leave a $20 tip on a $20 bill. A and then you call the EMTs because your waitress is going to have a heart attack. And you leave the card. Now, remember, your name isn't on the card. Calvary isn't on the card. It's an invitation to a website where people can go to find where are the churches in our area where these kinds of people who want to bring God's love to our community are attending. What do you think? So we got these green cards in packs of five out there. Go ahead and wipe us out. We'll get some more for next week. And let's start deluging our community with the love of Jesus because God sent people bring God's love into our hurting world. That's exactly what Jesus did. Do you see that? But then, do you see what happened next? <clears throat> Look at verse 32. Would you read 32 through... Um, let's see. Yeah, 32 and th through 34. 
That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases, drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now do you see that in the first case, Jesus went to a woman and brought the love of, and the help of Jesus there. In this case, the people brought the people to Jesus. Uh, you've seen in our worship folder the last several weeks an invitation that if you'd like to be a part of a life group, a small group of people who are walking the journey of life together, caring for each other. Part of the wonderful things about life groups is this. When somebody's in a dark place, the group gathers around and brings that person to Jesus. Jeff Bart Bartleson, would you come, my dear brother? Jeff is part of a team that is helping us to, to, to spearhead these new life groups that are launching. Thank you for your part in that, my friend. Give us a little sense of what God's doing and this orientation we're going to have. Uh, good morning. We are going to have a, an orientation meeting uh, to life groups uh, immediately following the service in the music room. Uh, if you don't know where that is, through the doors over here. Um, we've been working uh, towards connecting people. And all, those of you that were participating during the summer in connection groups, this is, an, this is the next step there, uh, going a little deeper, studying a lot of different topics. Uh, if you look in your worship folder, there's a page that talks about them, different nights of the week, uh, weekly meetings, two times a month, and then there's some topics. What we will be doing at the information uh, meeting is uh, going through a list of who, who is leading those groups and a little bit more about uh, the topic. So Amen. we would love to have you come down, and anybody that is already in a group, feel free to come along and see what's happening with life groups this morning. Thank you, my brother. And if today doesn't work for you, you just jot a note down in your worship folder there and use your tear-off, and we'd be happy to help you get connected because what happened right here in this story, the people brought their friends who needed Jesus' help to Jesus. Groups are intending to try to bring people to Jesus as we meet their needs through the truth of his word and the power of Jesus working. You need to be in a group that will walk the journey of life and carry you when you find yourself in a painful, dark place, right? Hey, can I show you one more? Look at verse 35. We're just going to read one verse this time. You ready? Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and went off to a solitary place to pray. Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Jesus, the Son of God, needing to get away early from everybody else and make sure that he's got some quiet, solitude time with the Father. Why? In that quiet time you're listening and your life is aligning with God, he's able to point out in your life anything that he wants to change. He's able to speak to you about where he wants to lead you, realigning your life in prayer. One of the verses that Pastor Chuck uses with the Sabbath is in Mark chapter 6, as you know, where Jesus said, Come, come and be with me by yourselves in a quiet place. Get some rest, get some refreshment, and listen to me there. So can I ask the obvious question? Do you have a place where you meet regularly with Jesus? Alone, quietly, listening, reading. Do you sometimes take extended times, several hours, Half a day, a whole day, alone with God, 
letting him realign you with him. Have you had times in your life where the answer to that question has been no, and you've noticed how far out of alignment your life has come? I have. There's one last thing I want us to see. It's the next couple of verses, starting in verse 36. Read with me. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also, for that is why I have come. Next weekend is called the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. So I'd like to combine these two thoughts, this needing a, a regular time and place where you can meet quietly with God to pray and to listen to Him and get your life aligned, and this awareness of what's going on away from where we are. Just a couple of slides to, to help you think about this, and you'll see in your worship folder that next Sunday afternoon we're going to have a, pre, a prayer time, a season of prayer for the persecuted church, the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church. What's the next slide, please, uh, Candy? Look at that, my friends. 2,123 people were executed, documented in 2013. That doesn't include the hundreds where it's not documented. Executed for one reason only, a refusal to deny Jesus Christ. Next slide. The top 10 places in the world where Christians like you and me are persecuted, arrested, tortured, killed for their refusal to deny Jesus Christ. Next slide. Next slide. A hundred million Christians worldwide. So Jesus says to his fellows that morning, I believe, even though it may not be written here, when they came out, fellas, before I talk to you about those people that you've said had gathered to see me, do you understand why I'm out here? This is not insomnia. <laughs> it's not that I wasn't able to sleep. I needed time with the Father because I knew that what took place yesterday, the casting out of the demon, the healing of the people who came to the house, the word's going to spread. I knew that this morning there would be other people coming, maybe lots of them, and they would come with their expectations of me. And I needed to make sure that I met with the Father first to find out what does the Father want for this day. And fellas, you're not going to believe it, but the Father says, it's time to go someplace else. And can't you imagine the guy saying, but wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. What about this wonderful compassion, this love of God that wants to pour out of you to help all these people? How can you just walk away from here and go somewhere else? Because the Father said, we need to go someplace else so I can teach truth there. That is why I have come. And I gave you three other scriptures there in your notes when Jesus made those kinds of statements. That is why I have come. And I want to leave you with this question this morning. Why are you alive? Why did God decide at a moment in time that he wanted you to exist? And he reached inside of your mother's womb and he conceived you. And he birthed you at this time in human history. And he birthed you in this place. And he's allowed you to live in this place at this time in your life. Why? Why didn't your life end five years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago? 
may I ask you today, this week, as we watch the spiritual battle raging around us, give serious thought to this, my dear friends. Because God sent people live life on purpose. God's purpose for them. I've come, Jesus said. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come so that they, anyone, anywhere, may have life. Your purpose and mine, fundamentally, first, to know God, the God who made you, the God who loves you. Second, to live your life following him, his priorities, not yours, his worldview, not yours, relationship with him so that he can then reach out through you to touch our world as a God-sent person. What do you think about that? What might happen if we owned that? Pastor Mark, would you come and lead us in worship while we talk to the Father right now? And I invite you to have a conversation with Jesus Christ right now. Are you following him as closely as he would like? And it would be to your great benefit. What about your priorities and his? What about the importance and the power of worship in your life? What about the value that you place on his truth? And filling your mind and your heart with it so that you can step out into our very confused world, our dark world, and bring his truth there. What about your heart of compassion in our broken world? What about your commitment to time every day, just you and God, so you can listen to what he wants to say to you personally, privately about you and your life and your journey? What about you being in, in, in clusters, in a life group, in some kind of a group of people who can help to carry you in the journey and then you can help carry others? What about your purpose in life? Let's worship him in response to those questions.